I also just realized I uh, I'm not wearing my normal USF shirt. Are you are you wearing a Hollister shirt? What is that? No, it's it's fucking <laughs> Bucky Badger baby, fucking 1977 Bucky Badger Wisconsin hockey national on Wisconsin. Baby. On Wisconsin. On Wisconsin. Literally, my I, I I will never. We can shudder the memories of that season, but uh. That first game against Wisconsin, like four five years ago, where they just fucking pantsed us. Uh, <laughs> I made such good buddies with the guys from Bucky's fifth quarter that they were they I, were really nice guys, and they were like, they, "Yeah, Jonathan Taylor is destroying you completely." But hey, we're enjoying a beer in this beautiful weather here in Tampa, Florida. They I'm sorry, they, they said Tampa, Florida. Florida. Uh, they wanted to do not like I leading up to that game, not to go off this tangent, but we got an hour to do this shit anyways. Um, <laughs> I just remember leading up into that game and like I asked them, I was like, what are the chances that like Jonathan Naylor like doesn't play? Like they just like hold him out for whatever reason because it's a cupcake and they're like, no, they want him. They're like wanting to use him for like draft purposes and to like expand like his horizons and everything like that. He wanted to get 2000 yards or something. He, he had records to break. Yeah, and they were like, "Yeah, we want." They wanted him to like, uh, like practice catching passes and stuff like that. And that's when he started doing wheel routes out of the back uh, backfield. And that's when, well, amongst other things, killed USF that game. <laughs> they were just having fun. That was two coaches ago, Steve. That was two coaches ago. God, how t- how time flies when you're having fun or something. Having fun and losing a lot. <sighs> Speaking of losing a lot. No, we're going to talk about the USF women's basketball AC regular season champions, baby. March, March victorious. <laughs> we're starting with the winning, aren't we? Oh, I guess that's yeah, not we'll the start. Start. No, no, we'll start with the winning. We'll start with the positive for once. <laughs> God forsaken <laughs> lives. Uh, but welcome back to uh, the, the USF roundup. Uh, it is Robert Stieg life. It is Anthony Vito. We are back again. I'm back after... Uh, a hiatus, a emergency, whatever you want to call it. Last week, I wasn't on, uh, so Vito, in his in his uh, ever so dashing way, was able to hold it down for me while I was uh, keeled over in the bathroom for eight hours. So, shout out to you for that one. Well, you know, I, I just I'm glad that you're okay and you're back with us because um, that 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 was that was very fun. It was very exciting to talk to myself and have people in the chat help talk to me as well. Um, so it's, it's we had a good time, but I'm glad it's like having back. an inner narrative, right? Yep. And that's why you don't work out friends and go to the gym. Cause then you get sick. Yes, exactly. Um, but yeah, no, we're, we're back, um, to our regular, regularly scheduled programming, uh, every Monday around nine o'clock, usually give or take if we're not doing anything beforehand. Uh, we'll be live discussing the previous week's, uh, worth of USF athletics, USF Olympic sports. We will sometimes dabble in the football every once in a while, but that's uh, that's for later on. But we're here to talk about Olympic sports, shine some light on the programs that deserve it. And boy, we need to shine the light on a program that deserves it. USF women's basketball, AAC regular season champs for the second time in three years. Two out of three ain't bad, friend. Those two out of three Not ain't bad. bad at all. Now we absolutely love it. And could could have almost had it last year. Had a you know a couple more fortunate uh, games fell our way. But uh, before we get into uh, the actual you know championship moments of the game, um, we do have to talk about a game that happened before the 
regular season getting clinched. Um, USF traveled to Oviedo to take on rivals University of Central Florida. And boy, howdy, did they just fucking wipe the floor, send them back to earth, just crushed UCF. Like in a way that I, I, I USF is, Jose doesn't normally just crush teams, but he crushed this team. So that's a 29 point um, deficit. That was the biggest deficit of the year, Stieg, or was it the second biggest deficit? Doesn't matter. Both of them were against UCF. Correct. Yes. So uh, USF defeated UCF 73 to 44. Really, it was not even as close as that score is, is letting on. Um, USF just powered away from it from, from start to finish. Uh, UCF hit like four three-pointers uh, in the third quarter and last like two minutes of the third quarter that just like the game was so handedly out of the way, out of way. Uh, USF was up by 39, I think. And then UCF rattled off like four straight threes and then just Jose called a timeout and was like, all right, I'll actually like play defense. Like I, I want to, I have, I have money on this game. Um, but he I, just fucking then, then went all out for that. I wasn't able to watch the entire game, but I did tune in for the third quarter. Uh, so uh, USF outscored UCF 17 to nine in the first 21 to six in the second 12 to 10 in the fourth and 23 to 19 in the third. And I remember listening to the announcer. So on ESPN plus, it's always the announcers for the, uh, in the stadium. So it was in Orlando. I remember them saying like, well, you got to love the fight that they're doing that. So coach is going to go back and say, we need to do what we did in the third quarter for the rest of the year and all of the quarters. And I went, I mean, yeah, I guess still down 23 to 19, but yes. Um, So I I thought that was an interesting tidbit where it's just, like, you know, it, it was already such a huge deficit and USF was just saying, let's just get in and let's just get out. Oh, yeah. No, they. I mean, really, they shouldn't have just called any timeouts this game. Just I wanted USF to score 100 points. I want USF women's basketball to score 100 points this year. It probably won't happen, though, unfortunately. Um, they have the firepower, firepower and capabilities of doing it. And nonetheless, uh, so they shot 47 47.5% from the field as opposed to uh, a lowly 22% uh, by the Golden Knights there. Uh, USF went nine for 23 on uh, threes and uh, six for nine on free throws. Nice. Just a chef's chef's kiss of an ending. Uh, The one thing that's fascinating to me is every player that suited up scored scored a point in that game. That's usually when, like... That's that's like the ultimate sign of disrespect. I feel in in basketball. I, I know in football, it's like you know when you're you know throwing out the third string quarterback. It's it's when everyone scores in in basketball is when you know uh, things are going good. Um, but it, I mean, it was just dominance from start to finish. It wasn't overtly uh, defensively. USF did extremely well, um, but it, it wasn't like USF just absolutely crushed them in like every statistical category. It was just they were that much better. It wasn't yeah. like USF did anything extraordinary. They got like probably the same number of rebounds. They shot about the same percentage. They actually didn't. They actually brought down their season average on free throws because six for nine is not that great. Um, but yeah, fifty. It I mean, was just yeah, yeah. Six, it, six, it, it was just six. clinic. It was just you being that much better than the other team. Um, so Elena went with uh, nineteen points. 
Uh, Dulcie, 18 points and 14 rebounds. Uh, Sammy. <laughs> so cool. Ridiculous. <laughs> Come on. Uh, Sammy with 12 points and uh, Carla Burrito with uh, 11 points. But then, as we mentioned, everyone everyone filled up the stat sheet. Um, Carla but- actually, uh, sorry, I, uh, four points and 11 rebounds, which I thought was really, really great. Uh, Carla Burrito has been outstanding this whole year. Um, and getting better as as the, the the years go on or as the games go on. Uh, she didn't have to play as much because, again, they played everybody. <laughs> so Right. Sorry, I, I absolutely misread my notes there. 11 rebounds, mm-hmm. not 11 points, um, which surprises the shit out of me. Now that, now that I said that, that makes so much more sense. Well, that's what was shocking to me. I was like, 11 rebounds? Holy crap. <laughs> Just fucking putting it on. Uh, but then the big game happened. Um, and I, I was there. Paige was there too. What? We had a good time. Yeah, we were both there. Uh, shout out to USF. The uh, the season one of the season ticket holder like perks is that you got you know free ticket to this game and the Tulane game for uh, whatever their other sport was uh, going on that day. Uh, certainly not any other sport in the Sundo. Um, but yeah, so they got free tickets to uh, the USF SMU game, which just so happened to be the uh, trophy raising game for uh, for USF women's basketball. Um, defeated SMU 70 to 62. And as someone who uh, attended that game, it was a very weird game. And uh, the, 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 the best way I can describe it is USF won by eight points. They didn't play particularly well, but they were better than SMU for a full four quarters, but also, USF didn't lead the game until two minutes or actually they didn't, they didn't lead the game until like the buzzer at halftime. Mm -hmm. So USF led for only 30 minutes or excuse me, 20 minutes of a 40 minute game. The game seemed a lot closer than it was, but USF was by far and away a lot better than SMU. SMU literally did not miss their first nine shots. And uh, which frankly kind of scared me a little bit because I was like, Oh God, are we about to have another like, Layla Flores game, like where you just they they don't miss and you have to deal with that. So at the end of the first quarter, the SMU led nineteen to seventeen, which is just an absolute barn burner of first. Um, and you know USF just slowly but surely crawled their way back. Uh, Elena Chenecki hit a uh, buzzer beater at half to uh, put USF up thirty three to thirty one at halftime, and then patented big third quarter showed up and USF just took over the game from there and, and outscored SMU 16 to nine in the third. And then um, SMU tried to keep it close towards the end, called a lot of timeouts, called a lot of, you know, full court presses with like six minutes left, which was pissing me off. Cause I was mm-hmm. like, just fucking let us win. Stop, stop forcing like unfortunate timeouts and everything like that. So, um, you know, Part for the course, though, uh, and you know, I'll give credit to SMU. Their their coaches turned around that program, and they're pretty good this year. So, you know, all, all credit to to SMU's uh, head coach, who I was absolutely just hating for about twenty minutes there. So, uh, yeah, that but, felt like uh, it was going to be very similar to the Houston game, where SMU came out on fire and they looked really, really good. Uh, USF kind of came back, and then it, it just was never. At, in the second half, USF would get out to a lead, and then it was almost like trying to keep them at arm's length. But you're after the Houston loss it was just very much like if someone gets on fire and they can't shoot threes anymore, USF anyway, they could come back and like win this game. They ended up winning by eight points, and in part because they shot 38% from three, 42% from the floor, um, and they shot 75% from three in the fourth quarter. 
So anytime there was a rally that looked like SMU could come back, USF would then drain, drain a three. And that's just from a morale perspective when, when you're trying to come back and then it's like, great, they hit another, another, another triple. I mean, again, your big three got or double digits and uh, Alana Chinecki has got 27 points, which I believe is a season high. Uh, it that. didn't say it was a season high, okay. so I would be surprised if she had more than that, though. I mean, that, she might have had that early in the season, though. Mm-hmm. And she also brought in seven rebounds herself, so that's that. That's always nice to see. Um, Dulcie with another double-double, 12 and 10, and then Sammy put up 18 and was uh, three of eight from three-point range, which was good to see. Um, I will say, though, with Sammy, uh, Sammy was 0, and, 0 for 5 in the first half for three. Like, looked, looked off. Like I was like, oh god! Like, and and again, I'm I'm simple minded peanut brain idiot over here. I was like, I was like, he kind of should bench Sammy if she's zero for five from three in the first half and everything like that. And then uh, midway through the third quarter, she hit her first three, and you could kind of feel it at that point. You were like, okay, she's got it. And then went right back to her. Uh, the next possession, she hit another three, and then guess what? They went right back to her the possession after that. She had another three to force an SMU timeout. And it was just like you could see the weight get lifted off her shoulder. So that that three for eight is a is a little bit more of a there's a more of a story than just being three for eight. It should from 0 for five to, to three to three in the second half, which was quite nice to see. And those are the benefits you get to see when you're watching the game courtside, which I assume you are your courtside, right? <laughs> yeah. I I spent the $250 to sit courtside at the USF women's basketball game. Hell yeah, buddy. Uh, Another thing that's fascinating, 30 uh, points in the paint uh, to SMU 16. That's that we double that out. Then you start seeing the the name of the game again. Dulcie has just been a a force under the basket. So it's good to see that they were able to um, get through the adversity in the first half and win it and to clinch the regular season title. You don't draw it out any further. And, uh, especially the, the the UCF game going into this week after the Houston lost, it was very much, okay, is this team going on a slump and how long is it going to last? And to be able to just get the monkey off your back really quickly and say, no, 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 we, we, we've got this now. Um, I think someone in our Slack channel said, wouldn't it be funny if they lost to Houston just to get pissed off enough to just boat race UCF again? <laughs> um, and they did. <laughs> probably not, but evidently it, you know, whatever Jose uh got his team to get up and uh, have a pretty good week that week, especially after having a week off prior because Houston was the only game they played that week. So congrats again to, to USF wins basketball, the best team on campus in my, in my personal opinion. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing them uh, end the season. Um, and I believe the last game at home is against Tulsa on Wednesday for senior day. Right. And then they have one more. Yes. Don't forget I forget that. <laughs> yes. And my ESPN it's- app doesn't say it. <laughs> It, do, it won't say it. I don't know why. It, it doesn't say any games in March, but they do have one final game after senior day. They are playing at Cincinnati, uh, who is the worst team in the conference. Uh, surprisingly, it's not UCF this year, uh, next Wednesday. So they get like a very awkward, you know, play Tulsa on Wednesday, and then they get a week off to go travel to Cincinnati, and then conference tournament starts back mm-hmm. up. So uh, quite a weird uh, way to end the year, but I won't complain either. Um, to to answer a, a question that we have there, what are the chances that women's basketball will host the first weekend in the tournament? Um, really, it, they they have to win five more games. And not to say that they won't win those five games, but they have to win these five games coming up. They, they can't mm-hmm. let these slip. 
you know, you're, you're probably going to face uh, ECU or a Memphis or God forbid a Houston in the conference championship uh, this year. And all three of those teams are, could give uh, USF some fits um, especially ECU. But, you know, you, you go through a run there. You're, you're, you're at that point, you'd be 29 and five. And depending on how the committee, which the committee's never been fair to women's basketball, depending on how the committee wants to kind of grade things out, there's a, a fairly good chance that USF is going to be in a favorable bracket, um, depending on the Southeast. I mean, they're going to be in the same region as, as South Carolina. There's no doubt about it. Um, oh, interesting. I just looked up uh, bracketology as of three days ago, and mm-hmm. you, they have USF as a six seed in Seattle. So, wow. Great. <laughs> even even better. Yes, throw us on the West Coast again, fucking idiots. Um, uh, but, I mean... And- Although you were right because you you joked about like oh put, play uh, put us in the second round against Duke guess who they would have to play in the second round Duke <laughs> yeah. yeah fucking great love it yeah I mean we're the thing is and everyone just accept this now we'll, I'll say it out loud we're gonna get a shitty draw and we're gonna have to play a really good team in the second round and USF historically has been fine in the first round of the NCAA tournament I mean last year uh, you know notwithstanding but. It's about getting past that hurdle of the second round because at that point, usually you're playing a, a, a team that's playing pretty good, uh, playing pretty hot. You know, didn't you know sleepwalk their way into the conference tournament, conference championship, or anything like that. And then, of course, in the third round, you're going to have to play like South Carolina or Stanford or LSU. But once you make the someone. Sweet Sixteen, everyone's going to be elite. So, but it's just making it to that second weekend. Um, just make it to that second weekend. That's always the hard part. It's it's tough right. to when you get like two week uh, two years ago where they beat who did they beat in the first Washington State and then they had to play the one seed NC State and it's just it's hard to to especially in women's basketball to plays to play a top five or a top six team right out of the gate because you're probably not going to beat them because right. you're probably closer to a top fifteen team. But it's getting the draw so you can make it to that second weekend or getting a chance. And then sometimes that's that's defeating the odds. But this team, out of any team that we've seen, can win in multiple ways. It's just, can they keep what they did earlier in the season against Ohio State and against Alabama and carry that over now? Especially since this looks like it's going to be a one-bid one bid league. So it's like you're going through conference play and all of a sudden the, the uh, everything ramps up again. So right. uh, a six seed, I, 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 I'm ha- I'd be happy with that technically, but I kind of figured once you lost that game to Houston, that was going to kill you. Like the wins weren't going to stack up and get you higher, but a loss was going to ding you. But in this, right. this situation, we'll see what ends up happening. But going to Seattle, yeah. like after we joke about saying like they're going to put you in a regional thing, you're going to be, you know, they don't really care about perfect seed. Now all of a sudden they're going to send you across the country. That's it's very great. different than what I normally expect. At this point, I'd rather than just get like a 12 seed or like a 13 seed or something like that, play a four or five that's like playing pretty okay. And then, you know, kind of sneak your way in that way rather than having to play as like the, you know, the the five, the five, six, seven or eight seed. And then because the worst thing that could happen to USF right now is getting the eight or nine seed. There's just yeah, no doubt about that. that. You don't want that at all. Cause then you're getting that is the one. worst possible seed you can get. I'd um, rather take anything else. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that is correct with this. I don't want to call it a slump when you're winning and yeah, you lost against Houston, but the, the, the turnovers and the points off turnovers as what's been killing them. Uh, they had 15 points or SMU had 15 points off turnovers 
um, USF luckily was able to turn the tide there, but against Houston, it's just, it, it's especially when that press happens because on a full court press, they look lost last year against UCF and this year against Houston. So that it's, so it's just uh, pr- protecting the ball and not turning it over. That's kind of where the end it's, you know, the end of the season. So you got to really got to tighten up. Kinda All right. We spent 20 it. minutes on women's basketball, Steve. Good. That's how it match. should be. Yes, I agree. We should have a whole women's basketball podcast. All right. Uh, let's, let's, yeah, I mean, we should keep the wins going. Yep. Um, men's basketball won a game, didn't just win a game, fucking annihilated, moment. annihilated Tulsa. Right. And, and, and in fairness, this Tulsa team is like historically bad. Like they're, they, I think, have won five games this year. Um, mm-hmm. have one game in looked, conference have not looked good. They're they're not a very good team, but they are in year one under a new head coach, and this head coach has gotten a lot of administrative support. They kind of didn't get a good luck of the draw um, when it comes to the uh, the transfer portal and everything that was going on. Frank Haith also left like the cupboard more empty than I think I've ever seen a basketball coach do. So um, you know that might uh, that might be a factor in it, but. Nonetheless, we'll celebrate victories. USF beat Tulsa 96 to 69 uh, last uh, Wednesday. Unbelievable. Um, yeah, just, and it really wasn't close. Like, I, I think uh, we all were feeling like, okay, at some point they're going to start blowing this. Like, especially, they put up 50 points in the first half. So we were all kind of expecting, like, okay, they're only going to score like 10 in the second half and then lose or something like that. But, no, they they really coast to coast, uh, really just put it on them. I mean, what's remarkable to me, so they shot 57% uh, in the first half and then 38% from three-point range. And then normally you'd go like, okay, that's going to drop to the mean. No, then they then they scored 68%. They shot 68%, 17 of 25 field goals and four of nine for three-point range in the second half where they put up a remarkable 46 points after a 50 point outburst. This is just like where, where Russell Shula had 21 points. Tyler Harris had 10. Uh, Jameer Chaplin had nine. Sam Hines Jr. Ryan Conwell both had eight. Keyshawn Bryant and Selton Miguel both had 16. Like this is just, where did this come from? I don't know if this Tulsa team is just that bad. And I think they are. And our friends from the golden hurricast would say the very, the, the, the same thing. I believe for a while there they were saying just lo- lose by less than 10 challenge for a while there. And then yes. they beat Tulane, but this is just, you scored 96 points in the game. I have no complaints. That was, you beat a team that the, the, you know, one of the teams that you are better than you beat them and you beat them badly. I just only wish we uh, got to play Tulsa and ECU all year. Right. That would make my heart so happy. Um, but in, in fairness, this is how every team has played against Tulsa this year. Mm-hmm. Minus Tulane. Um, just for posterity's sake, uh, these are the scores of the uh, their previous games uh, leading up to that. Uh, they lost to UCF ninety six to fifty two. They lost to Houston eighty to forty two. Uh, they lost to Wichita State eighty six to seventy five. Only eleven points, not bad. Uh, they lost to Cincinnati eighty one to fifty five. Um, just skimming through the rest of them. They, I mean, they they historically have been losing by twenty points to any team with a pulse at this point. Again, that Tulane game is a really weird blemish. Tulane is a very good basketball team this year, and they lost in overtime to Tulsa, who Tulsa put up 81 points. Uh, they literally come nowhere close to 81 the rest of the season. Like they Just a very weird 
way that that works. Um, also, Stieg, do you know what, another fun fact about this game? Mark Kalea? Yes. Well, yes. Shot a three. Oh, what was the other fun? Yeah. Well, I don't know what you were referencing. I was just going off the notes. I was going to go there. This is the first time USF men's basketball beat Tulsa men's basketball in a game. No way. Yep. We've never beat Tulsa in basketball. Tries. Yep. Tulsa historically is an okay program, but um, I didn't mean to say that. Yeah. That's, they've lost every single one. That's in, that's in fucking incredible. I, uh, I'll, I'll oh, always, I would have, I, I would have hammered that if I knew that. I, I, I'll always look at the history just randomly just to see like, okay, how, how does this actually look? And I was like, I don't remember ever beating Tulsa. And uh, lo and behold, um, frankly, they, it looks like they haven't played since. The, so it's only ever been a conference game. So they never played them prior to that. I guess they had no right. reason to, uh, but yeah, how about that? Incredible. I, I would have, I would have hammered the golden hurricane for letting us finally beat them. Put, put another oh, feather in Brian Gregory's head cap. Yeah, fucking beat Tulsa. Great. Good job. Yeah, if you if you had told me like six years ago that Brian Gregory was Brian Gregory coached USF men's basketball beat t- uh Tulsa 96 to 69, I'd be like, oh shit. Like we're competing for like conference championships. <laughs> I just un- unbelievable. Um, so I was gonna then pivot that into Jake Jake Boggs or uh, not Jake Boggs, not no, Mark Alea, um, three the other uh, white guy, <laughs> three minutes, and he um, he's made his only three pointer, three point attempt. And um, Kinu Luson also played three minutes. I have not seen his name in any of the box scores, so there you go. That's a uh, oh, he's he's the uh, so they gave Mark Alea a scholarship, he's the walk on that does not have a scholarship. Okay, I think that's how it goes. Um, but yeah, so overall, uh, great, great game. Uh, I will, I will, I will always give credit where credit is due. Uh, beating them, beating Tulsa ninety six to sixty nine, very good. Uh, I, I, I think they were leading as much as thirty one points uh, with like six minutes left. Uh, I will, I'll take that. I love that. I, I'm, I'm relishing in it. I felt so good for like fifteen minutes, and then I was like, ah, yes, Tulsa's historically bad, and then we have to turn around and play Tulane. So how'd that and go? We lose. We lose, of course. We we are Tulsa. We are excuse me. We are Tulane's bitch right now uh, when it comes to sports. And and as far as it, I like kind of like Tulane. They're not bad. Their fans are fun. It's New Orleans. But yeah, I, I like. It feels like every game in every sport, we're just losing to Tulane. It's just this was the, this one felt. It was what thirty-five to thirty-one, down by four in the first quarter. And they looked fairly decent. Um, and but, then it's just the wheels fell off, as usual. Yeah. I mean, what are you going to do about it? Um, no, you should do something better. Uh, yeah, th- I mean, this is, uh, it, it was kind of typical what we have seen out of USF men's basketball, kind of keeping it close. But it was it was more, this the stat line was a little bit more deceptive, or excuse me, the score line was more deceptive than the stat line. Um We've seen kind of these teams come out sluggish against USF. USF either playing good defense or, or whatever. Um, we had 11 turnovers in the first half. Or USF turned the ball over 11 times in the first half. I should uh, say that better. And then um, Tulane went 0 for 7 from 3 in the first half. And so that's probably what made it feel a little bit closer going into halftime. Um, 11 
first half turnovers is just pitiful. That's inexcusable. Um, you know, the whatever they're doing, they're not doing it well enough. Um, but then in the second half, uh, Tulane went eight for 15 from three. And that's where the difference started to, uh, you know, make its mark. And at that point, it like, it's it's frustrating, uh, but also it's comical at the same time. It's kind of like, ah, uh, yes, a team is historically shooting the worst they have done all season. Let's see if this stays. Oh, nope, doesn't. Um, but on the bright side of things, uh, Ryan Conwell is is quite a true freshman. Um, I wish he was getting more playing time because he would get a lot more, uh, you know, weekly honors. Um, he's He's been probably one of the better freshmen in the conference, at least as, as far as scoring output goes. Um, he went for a career high 20 points, which saying career high to a, a true freshman kind of feels disingenuous, but career high 20 points. Nonetheless, uh, started the game hitting back-to-back threes. Um, so he, you know, he's doing everything he possibly can. Uh, Tyler Harris right behind him at 19 points. Um, so they were basically all of USF's offense at that point. They that, that's two thirds of USF's scoring output. Uh, just between those two individuals right there. Uh, Russ Chewa had a career high in uh, rebounds with 15. So again, uh, that's neat. But again, you lost 86 to 66. So all of that is kind of getting brushed under the rug because now you've lost, um, uh, what are you now, uh, four and 10 in the conference. You are officially going to be under uh, 500 for the year um, unless you go on just the most absolutely crazy run in the conference tournament mm-hmm. um god help me if that happens so um sitting at 11 and 16 overall uh not liking their ncaa tournament at large chances um frankly and uh that's not great <laughs> well that that's good i mean uh jalen cook Tulane's best player dropped 30 points and uh kevin cross and jalen forbes scored 19 and 15 it's like those three those three guys being as hot as they were there's if you can't stop them, that's just how that's going to go. Uh, it was good to see Ryan Conwell do well uh, as freshman go. But if the inevitable happens, I always worry about what that means for the roster. So, uh, But it's good to see that he did it in four for eight for three-point range. Six for 11 from the field is not any small feat. That's that's good. It seems like they're uh, this year's team has the, has the better individual performance that I've seen in the Brian Gregory era. Even the, you know, the teams with David Collins and Alexis Yetna, those were all decent teams um but i just you haven't you're seeing a lot of uh, individual performances uh across the roster more so than you have in the past it's just now all of a sudden they can't play defense or it, maybe it's not defense and it's the other guys who are just shooting on fire because again i don't we keep saying this they shot 53 percent from three-point range in the second half like you're not gonna i don't know what you're gonna do with that right it, it's Again, it's frustrating, but it's also like, eh, what are you going to do about it? It's a, um, we talked about it with football, I think, a little bit, and not to go too far off the rails. Um, but we're kind of like at that point where it's like, I, you're just apathetic at this point. It's kind of like, oh, what are you going to do? And they lost. Whatever. Um, they are uh, – I was going to look up to see what their, um, what their ranking is for assists per game but I don't know if I'm going to be able to find this very quickly. So that's going to be frustrating. I'll pivot. So I'll, I'll address to the chat. Have you seen anything there? What is everyone's opinion on uh, coach Brian Gregory? 
Oh God, don't don't open up that can of worms just yet. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we're, okay. We're trying to be positive in this uh, thing. Uh, yeah, there he's. We're gonna stay positive, but I would be shocked if he, um, you know, survived the off season uh, in the nicest way possible that I can possibly say that with you know potential people listening. So. Yeah, and it, what stinks the most is this roster actually seems fun. Like there's there's parts of games that are actually exciting, but. It's, you know, we'll let the Illuminati podcast talk more about that. But, uh, yeah, I agree. Um, this is the big one. Defend them wide open baseline threes. There's too many of that. I, they all, it, for whatever reason, it seems like they'll, there's always somebody that's just wide open. It's tough. Tough, tough scene, as they say, as the kids say. Um, wow, how have I not found this yet? Unbelievable. I'm, I'm actually, uh, unbelievable. Oh, here we go. Uh, we are... Averaging 13.9 assists per game. Um, that's not as bad as I thought it was going to be, actually, if I'm going to be completely honest. Let's see. What is that good for? That is good for tied 13 point. Points in the paint. Ooh. Tulane had the advantage. 44 to 28. Uh, I guess that's why this might open. 127th in the country in assists per game. Uh, we're tied with Miami of Ohio. Oh, the real you. Yeah. The real you. Um, so that's fun. Uh, we play at UCF on Wednesday. Um, we'll I'll see how that goes. Say if they beat UCF again, I'm not even going to care what happens the rest of the year. It's fucking hilarious. Comical. It's, yep. co- it's pure comedy. Um, uh, and UCF then- has just come off back to back buzzer or uh, like one or two point losses to Cincinnati and Memphis. Got to watch. So one of two things are going to happen. We we know what's going to happen, uh, and then they'll uh, they'll come back home to play SMU on Saturday. Um, SMU, who USF should beat, but didn't beat, and frankly looked really bad. Um, so we'll we'll see what they can do for the rest of the year. What they can muster, um, maybe a few more wins under the belt would be nice. But yeah, uh, I'm not going to count on it at this point. Um, and we'll. Uh, if the inevitable happens, uh, we will have a good hearty discussion on it with the guys from the Illuminati podcast, Nate and Seth. Um, we will probably do a special show for that once it happens, because there's going to be a lot of discussion uh, because of certain news today that dropped um, surrounding a certain former, uh, is the right word estranged? I need your SAT help, Vito. Is the word estranged for a coach a, a, that was fired for a shitty for being a shitty human being. Yeah, I'm sure that yeah, yeah that, that works. Yeah, a, a certain estranged but um, very good head coach is uh, apparently uh, you know being linked towards the University of South Florida. But that is a discussion for if or when it happens. Huh. Yeah. Anyway, as Heath says, lots of sports. We're gonna move on to more sports. Well, not really. Um, Men's tennis uh, is still on a very weird break. Um, I think a a two and a half week break. Uh, So they don't play until Thursday this week. So in in three more days here, two more days if you're uh, listening to it, or three days if you're listening to it tomorrow. Um, So yeah, they're still enjoying a nice little break. Maybe enjoying the good weather around here. They play at VCU on Thursday. I'm trying to find out why... 
men's and women's tennis is playing so many uh, games away, but I haven't been able to find any concrete details yet. I might just message Ashley Fisher and ask what's going on there. But nonetheless, um, you know, they're, they're, they've got quite an away schedule. VCU is a fine program this year. So we'll see if USF can, uh, if this break allowed them to get back onto the proverbial horse and uh, go back into their winning ways. And then switching to uh, the opposite side of the courts, uh, women's tennis uh, had two games in the state of Texas over the weekend. Uh, they went 0, and 0 for 2 to drop their record to 2 and 4 on the year. They lost at SMU 0, uh, 0 to 4. Not great. Uh, they really, truthfully, did not look very good the entire match. And so um, the only kind of silver lining of it all was Sierra Berry uh, lost her first set, uh, was leading her second set, was pushing for that third set. Uh, but the match was decided on, uh, I think, court six, right before she was about to win her uh, point. So um, she is still technically undefeated on the year until we get to the UNT game, uh, where unfortunately USF lost once again, two to four. Uh, Sierra Berry lost for the first time uh, this season. She uh, got swept on uh, her court there. Um, she did uh, win the doubles point with uh, her partner, Cleona Walsh. Cleona Walsh. Uh, so they won on their court for the singles, but the other two lost on doubles. And, um, yeah, overall, just not a, a very good weekend for the for the ladies out in Texas. Um, Pelissier won on her court due to an injury and a forfeit. So, you know, still counts, still counts. But, you know, we're looking at four to one. Mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, Cleona Walsh won on her court for singles as well. So overall, not a great start. Uh, but two and four, uh, you still got a long season ahead of you. And, and, you know, you can worry about things later. Yeah, Sierra Berry no longer undefeated is definitely a downer because she was looking like uh, a stellar uh, season was ahead. Um, so we'll see what ends up happening, but it's, it's tough to be on these losing streaks. So now you are two and four and next up you get Stetson on Thursday and home against Northwestern on Sunday. Talking about them cats, baby. Um, Where's Will Kennedy when you need him? Yes, sir. Getting, well, he's not getting married. He's at a, he's at a wedding though. There was a star-studded lineup at that wedding. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're – so, hold on. Let me count this up real quick. So, that's one – so, we're at one – so, we're at we're at three losses so far that we have covered. Mm -hmm. um, we'll see if this trend continues. Uh, <laughs> women's Two wins, golf three losses. Is, yes. We'll see if this continues. Uh, it, spoiler alert, it's going to get worse. Uh, women's <laughs> golf is currently uh, at the Las Vegas like Aces Invitational or some random fucking name. Um, but they're on Vegas right now, probably enjoying their time in the desert. They're currently tied ninth uh, after the first round. They're eight over for the day. Um, wouldn't read too much into this one. Uh, the, the field is, uh, it's a very loaded field. It's a very diverse field um, from basically all over the country, West Coast, Midwest, um, a few New England teams. Um, Elise Vidal is leading the way at one under uh, for the day. I think she's like tied 12th. Um, but then uh, Melanie Green is one over. Lenore Medeiros is four over. Lauren Heinlein is six over. And then Juliana Carmago is four over. So um, they're looking fine. I mean, they, 
again, these tournaments are kind of like just nice to haves and then you get to the conference and that's what it really matters for golf. And yeah, I've been talking for a little bit. You talk for, yeah, you, you talk I, I was, I was just looking through the, um, uh, so if you go to their live scoring that they have on the uh, and the composite schedule, the first it just shows a bunch of tournaments, and the first one is literally called the Mickey Mouse Intercollegiate, and I just could not stop. <laughs> the Mickey, Mickey Mouse Intercollegiate Mouse. just unbelievable. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of golf going on. So yep, uh, again, Melanie Green's the one to look out for. Um, she is definitely the cream of the crop uh so men's golf will play in law at the lake las vegas intercollegiate next weekend i believe steak said that so it's really neat to do two back-to-back las vegas tours so are we going to finally move on to the round ball to softball yeah unfortunately (laughs) you take this one okay so (laughs) softball did not have a great weekend however it was a very 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 tough slew of teams that they had to play and a very tough tournament setting in Clearwater. So we're not going to, we're not going to talk too much about what, you know, you're still trying to figure out your pitching staff. You're still trying to figure out the bats, but man, do they need to figure out how to, how to manufacture some offense and get the bats going. And again, tough slate, brutal slate of games to start the year. They've now lost five in a row, but uh, first game, they lost five to two, uh, five to two to number 16 Duke. They used five pitchers over seven innings uh, Gabrielli, Gabriella Nori with the start had two K's, uh, Kathy Garcia Soto with uh, two bull with the two bulls RBIs. And unfortunately those two runs were the most runs they scored in the game the rest of the way. Their next game, they lost five to one to Texas A&M who is receiving of votes. Um, they had, lo- uh, they loaded the bases in the first, but couldn't come away with any runs. And then Aggies also left the bases loaded in the first. So you thought you maybe you can get something. Peyton Dixon got the start. Three runs, three Ks, and they use four pitchers throughout the way. Still seems like Peyton Dixon is probably um, going to handle a brunt of the starts going forward. Um, then they played number eight, Virginia Tech. Again, another top 10 team. Lost four to one. Gabriella Nori with the start, three Ks, two runs. Again, just a, a brutal, a brutal game. Uh, pulled in a 2-1 game in the fifth. Virginia Tech added two in the bottom of the sixth. And then they lost in a run rule 8-0 uh, to Mississippi State. Again, another team receiving votes. All freshman pitchers, uh, pitchers Jade Martinez went one innings pitch and Morgan Grubb went one innings pitch. Um, Steve, you put a note here. It says, let's not schedule a brutal tournament start the year again. And uh, it doesn't look like they're going back to Clearwater next year based on what you retweeted earlier. So, uh, um, yeah, that, so that's a lot that's of a re- just a lot of big oofs. If I had that gif of the, you know, you know, oof load big oof. You know what I'm talking about um, with the washing machine. I don't know. Yes. It's a weird. It's a weird meme situation. It's it's just a lot of big oofs. And again, it's just tough because you're again trying to replace Georgina Quirk and you're trying to. Uh, yeah, this has been a an issue for years now. Is just ma- manufacturing enough offense, right? So and- it's it. it they're still working through it. And it's really hard to do that when you have to play right at the gate, five straight top 25 teams. Right. I mean, a brutal, brutal, brutal start to the year. And that's not even considering the fact that, you know, Boston, Boston, U, Boston college, Florida, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I would rather them schedule tough than not, because evidently you're going to, in, in bad sports, you're typically going to get better when you play the tougher opponents. Um, 
you can ride a lot more momentum that way as well. Um, I, I was not to say that any one of these games is more disappointing than the other. I think that Texas A&M game is probably the most disappointing of those just because they really did have a chance to kind of like build momentum back up, uh, getting the bases loaded in the first um, there's some hits, there's some, you know, patient bats, uh, but, you know, walking away with nothing and then going right back to the circle and giving up a base, basically giving up bases loaded as well. Getting out of that jam is great, but you know, it, it'd be nice if, if, if we could start securing the bats again, um, they're getting hits. They're just not timely hits. It's, it's that weird baseball thing where, you know, you might get, five, six, seven hits, but only score one run because you're, you know, person right after he's getting out or you're hitting into double plays or, you know, what have you. So um, like we mentioned though, uh, they are, uh, they are not invited back to the Clearwater Tax Act in the big invitational for next year, which is a okay by me because frankly, that tournament is a brutally tough tournament. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking the best softball teams in the country play in that tournament and get invited to that tournament. And frankly, at this point, USF is not one of the top teams. Um, I think they give Ken Erickson the benefit of the doubt, the tip of the cap to uh, invite them out there, especially as a close school to it. But, you know, for right now, I think we're perfectly fine, uh, you know, scheduling Chicago state or, you know, Southern Illinois or some shit like that. And <laughs> getting some Keep bringing the Illinois States back. Cause that game got canceled last week. Uh, right. yeah, I, th- I think it's also a local flair and, uh, it they always seem to, to to have these types of tournaments that happen early on, especially with a lot of the cold weather teams coming down to Florida. So it works itself out. But uh, I, I think you're right. It, it's 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 tough to then not have any momentum going forward and still trying to sort out what your team is. Right. So, again, they didn't get run ruled every game. So it's not like it was a complete wash, but it's it, it's tough to go out of a tournament like that, walk away with uh, not a single dub. So you can add another four losses to your count, Steve. <laughs> oh yeah, fantastic. Um, sorry, I'm just enamored by this kid that you that committed to USF. His name is his nickname is Zoom. Ooh, like the Flash villain. Yes. Raise your hand if you knew what I was talking about. Anybody here? Zoom. Any, any Flash fans? No one's a Flash fan. Okay, it's fine. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and, and to Heath's point, um, if it if it lets you fine-tune for the conference season why not but also it's you, you we wouldn't have known this had you know the season not started all obviously like you, these things get scheduled a year in advance and who knows usf could be you know world beaters next year in softball and not be playing in the tournament and it's back and forth but all usf have been consistently good for the past six seven years so who's to say it wasn't going to happen again you know it didn't happen that's fine um they, uh, they have a, another uh, couple of games coming up. They play Florida Gulf Coast uh, as a double header on Wednesday. Uh, so the first game is, I think, at 2, and then the next game is at 6. Um, that'll be a pretty good litmus test uh, for us. And then they play uh, the USF Invitational. Love these things. Uh, Clemson, Tennessee, Michigan State, and then University of Illinois. Sham. I, I don't know which one this is. Right, we're we're gonna look. Do I see uh, University of Illinois, I, Chicago? I, I thought it was Chicago. 
I didn't want to say champagne though, because I knew that was not going to be it. Um, Strangely, the more obvious one. Right. (laughs) I should have just guessed it. Um, So University of Illinois, uh, Chicago. So uh, nice little uh, litmus test there too, as well. Um, They're not, those three or those four teams are good, not, um, you know, number eight in the country good though. So Mm -hmm. that might be a nice little refresher though. Uh, yeah, I do hope they do a little something for Michigan State, just based on what they had to go through last week. Uh, they should. I hope that. I mean, uh, you want to roll uh, baseball real quick? Baseball. So we started opening day for the baseballs, and they got to host number 13, Maryland, which is a pretty solid team. Uh, it's great to have baseball back. Uh, I, I, think, I think I mentioned this. The cool thing about baseball, and to an extent softball, it just feels like in college especially – there's so much more zany, wacky logos. The uniforms are always so weird. You see pinstripes everywhere. Everyone's got like weird logos. And sometimes it's like everyone does script or they have, it's just, it's so much fun. You have a lot of wackiness, like, uh, like it, 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 it's different programs are good at it. It's, it's fun to watch. Um, I'm excited for baseball every year. So uh, they did lose the series uh, one and two, but they had a very exciting opening night victory. Which to me, if you're going to do it, that's the way I'd rather do it. Win on opening night, get that jolt of excitement, and obviously you play the race on Saturday and it doesn't work out. And then Sunday didn't work out as well. Um, a team also trying to figure out their pitching staff. Uh, so they stunned the Terrapins on Saturday with an 8-7 victory on Friday. Uh, it looked like they they had the game-winning strikeout, but it was called a ball. And then a couple of singles had, had runners on first and second before they were finally able to get the victory. Um, so, so that was very exciting. Uh, Bobby Bozer had two home runs, one off Maryland's all American pitcher, which is nice. So two Bozer bombs for the night. Travis Sankovic is the Marshall transfer and had three RBIs. Uh, and Hunter Mink got the start and, and the win. He had five K's and three runs and his brother Tanner Mink got the close. So that was very exciting. Um, so it was a really good series victory. They had the bull script, which is undefeated. Love that jersey combination. It was really nice at night. It looked like there was a good crowd. It was a good old fun old time. And Steeg, right. I'm gonna I'm gonna pass this over to you from from uh, from the hot corner to second base because you were at this game and I believe you had some delicious delicious hot dogs. So let's talk about. Oh Saturday. yeah, I fucking grubbed on some hot dogs. Shout out Jake Sansom. Uh, Want to do a little hot, uh, a little baseball tailgate? I was violently hungover uh, going into this tailgate. And uh, those hot dogs basically saved my entire life, uh, along with Pedialyte that I also consumed five minutes beforehand. Um, but yeah, it was a beautiful, literally the most beautiful day for baseball. It was like 73 degrees uh, in the shade. It was nice and cool in the sun. It was kind of warm. Oh, great. Um, so uh, USF again played uh, Maryland on that Saturday. They lost eight to one, um, which isn't great but you saw kind of some flashes of what the team might be again this is a very very loaded maryland team this is one of the best uh hitting teams in college baseball uh from last year that didn't lose a lot of uh of, of talent to the draft or anything like that so still an insane talented team um nolan huddy got the start he had four strikeouts uh and three runs given up um Again, and and Brigade SRQ is is as a hinting at it. Um, the freshman arms looked pretty good, and they didn't. The stat won't jump out to you because again, they're kind of like they pitch like an inning, and you know, basically 
had a few ground outs or maybe gave up for two or something like that. But, you know, for the most part, um, they, they played pretty well. And USF really used uh, <laughs> their front pitchers. Um, they had four freshmen pitch uh, this game. Again, an eight to one loss. So you're at that point, you're kind of just throwing shit at the wall and hoping something sticks. Justin Jackson, Chandler Dorsey, Fulton Lockhart, and Austin Newton uh, got some uh, got some you know spare time. There. Caleb Punsack also pitched. Uh, he's a, a junior, um, a, a pretty good arm for USF as well, at least to come out of the bullpen if needed. Um, Maryland's pitcher just was fucking lights out. You know, I, I think Bobby Bozer hit a single at his first at bat, and then just he shut down USF the rest of the way. Um, he pitched six innings and only and had uh, eight strikeouts. So, you know, again, they're top 13 team in the country. They hosted Super Regionals last year. They're really good, yada, yada, yada. Um, but USF uh, put up a good fight for about mm, three and a half innings. Um, Maryland hit a grand slam to kind of really let the game. And USF did a good job of limiting the damage right after that. Uh, didn't give up too much more, but again, you're playing the number 13 team in the country that hits a fuck ton of run. Uh, check those bats. Uh, they might be juicing them. What you going to do? Yeah. The three grand slams over the course of the weekend. Uh, yeah. Just looking at the freshmen, they all seem to do uh, pretty well. The one that really uh, Chandler Dorsey pitched an inning, three strikeouts. He had a couple walks, but didn't give up any hits or runs. Uh, Justin Jackson. Right. I saw the bases on bulls guys. I'm uh, sorry. The uh, uh, Bruin at McEwen guys say that he looked really solid so it's it's all just kind of figuring out at this point um right and, and thank you for correcting me on that yes it was it was punsack and mink that gave up the grand slams those first two games um i think i misspoke and i said it was one of the freshmen that gave up the grand slam no it was Punsack, and they very quickly pulled <laughs> so what happened in the rubber or uh i'll take the rubber match steeg they lost nine to five on sunday but butcher uh and can't do both homered problem is the Terps hit three home runs of their own. Uh, so bulls led two one before Terra loads up for seven runs between the third and the fifth, including a grand slam in the fifth, another one. So it's like when you give up three grand slams, of course the weekend, that's what's going to happen. Um, so you can see how good their bats are and they just need to avoid those types of mistakes. When you load the bases up, just don't load the bases. Yeah. Just don't let them just don't let them get on base. Um, I will say, sorry, going back to the Saturday game for uh, for a second. Um, there was a very bullshit moment that happened. Uh, USF pulled a turned a really good double play to basically end the inning. Um, Maryland's uh, like All American catcher hit like a triple uh, to get onto third, and uh, at the at bat, uh, the Maryland hitter grounded ba- uh, hit it to the third baseman. I think it was uh, Sankovic. Sankovic tagged Shaw off the base, off the Mar- of the Maryland player, and then threw first for a double play, a, a really fucking good-looking play. Um, and I was on the Maryland side, so I could see both of it, and it looked like both of them were out, and they overturned both of them. You meet, like, both of them ended up being safe. Uh, I could only assume from the hearsay that I was hearing from the people in the stands that uh, it didn't feel like it was the correct call, but again, that was kind of um, might be USF home fielders there. So, you know, what can you do about that? That was uh, at that moment was also where I left to go to uh, the women's basketball game because I was at like four o'clock and we wanted to go to the women's basketball game at four thirty. So, 
Yes, mm. they overturned both. Unbelievable. Just unbelievable. Hey, when that, because it's like, there's no review. It just kind of is. So it's a, it's always a tough break because then those types of things turn into to runs. Right. But yet, uh, there was a moment on Sunday where uh, USF was up 2-1. Daniel Cantu hit a, a homer to um, to tie the game in the first, and then they were able to uh, get a second run. And it's just the, the problem is Maryland's just really, really good. Hit a home run immediately in the third, home run in the fourth, home run in the fifth, which is the grand slam. And at that point, it's eight to two. Brutcher did hit a three-run home run. So uh, it's good to see that your your um your upperclassmen are still hitting. Well, I guess they, I guess he's still a sophomore. But Travis Sankovic, um Sankovic or Sankovic, you were there. There. I thought it was Sankovic, but I'm also okay. uh, European. So he looked really, really solid. I mean, seven for 12 over the weekend again against a really good Maryland team. So looking forward to seeing him. And it's really good to be able to have a guy like that uh, at third base again. So uh, we'll see how he ends up ends up playing, and we'll see what other lineups happen in the future. So you start off one and two, but you know against the top 15 team, I I wasn't sure what to expect. So being able to get that opening night or opening day victory was really, really good. Uh, so next up they're at home against number seven UF. So they turn around fairly quickly tomorrow and play a really good game. And then is that right? They play at UF on Wednesday. A little, yep, little quick home and home. home. On, yeah. A little home and home series against Florida. You know, well, that's, that's, that's exciting. Huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, USF scored 37 runs over three games. Yeah. They look really, really good against Charleston Southern this past weekend. So uh, I think they're going to want to get some revenge on the, that, uh, the regional from two years ago, just 37 runs, man. That is Charleston Southern, man. That's, that's not going to be fun. And they run ruled them like twice. And then like on the third day, they like basically <laughs> like let the freshman go and still won like eight, nothing. So uh, that's going to be fun to watch. Um, oh, but this, it this, is, uh, sorry, just real oh, quick. This is interesting from Bergredas, uh, SRQ, they said on TV that Sankovic tagged him with the glove and had the ball in his hand. That's a, on the glove, that's, that's what it's there for. Isn't it just like all the same body? Like, never mind. Yeah, I know it's not right. Yeah. Okay, well. Fun stuff. Um, you live and learn. So then, yeah, yeah I'll probably make that mistake again. Um, so then moving into track and field, they uh, had a few meets over the weekend. A few meets. They had a meet over the weekend. That's the better terminology for it. Uh, yeah, it was their the first Tampa one. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say Tampa Track Classic at the University of Tampa was their first indoor event of the season, so it was mostly just running. Uh, Arden Larose got first in the eight hundred meter with the personal best uh, two thirteen point four. Victoria Valdez uh, on the women's side. Uh, sorry, yep, uh, was was third, uh, just behind Arden. In that same 800 meter with 218.96. And on the men's side, the 800 meter, Troy Lanos got first. So that was two first place finishes, three total podium finishes. And um, Lissa Wyatt and Corey Cologe uh, finished fourth and fifth in the women's 1500 meter. That's that, that, that is me- medium distance running for the win. So that was all indoor. That was their first indoor performance, performance, the first indoor competition of the season. Well, technically, technically, the Harvard 
one was the indoor outdoor facility. It's that, oh, okay. that doesn't count. Yeah, there. No, no, sorry. That was the first outdoor meet of the season. The other ones have been indoor. Did I That's say that wrong? I meant that. The, just, 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 I'm going to edit this out. Just go back, back. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, it was the first outdoor. <laughs> the other ones were yes. indoor. Yeah. And this was, this was a purely track, uh, classic this there's no field events remained beckford uh they gave him the week off to over other things that are seven feet tall um <laughs> instead and like kobe babin uh paul vault over houses again so uh yeah so that was only track uh at the university of tampa uh i looked at that field uh just to see what uh, was going on and everything like that and i was like holy shit they're pulling some of these school names out of asses it was like it was like Southeastern Lakeland College or something like that. It just, I could have heard of it. Um, Every city has a college, deep. Steve. <laughs> some, some shouldn't tell you that much. Uh, but a big, big weekend coming up, at least. Uh, they got the uh, AAC Indoor Championships uh, in Birmingham. This on starting on Friday. Birmingham, Alabama, not Birmingham, England, in case anyone was confused. Yeah, the the Connecticut conference is just international going now. They're they're looking for prospective new uh, <laughs> new universities to add. They're looking at a Bachelor and uh, Reading for next colleges. Uh, but yeah, so uh, we'll look for that. We'll look for look for Remain Beckford to uh, get first and high jump again. You know the usuals that we always look for. So um, tomorrow uh, we will shout out to the Illuminati podcast. Nate and Seth are going to talk about the AC football schedule release, which happens tomorrow. Is there a time in that? Was it 2 p.m.? Sometime in the uh, early afternoon. I thought it was 1. It's, yeah, okay. it's sometime in the afternoon. So uh, we look forward to that. We, are, we know the opponents, the away uh, and home opponents, but we don't know the schedule. We'll know that tomorrow. And Nate and Seth will be on here on this very app on Twitch, 11 a.m. Okay, good. Good to know, 11 a.m. Uh, to discuss what they see, what they think could possibly uh, be the outcomes for the upcoming football season. I always find it interesting that like all the like the Power 5 t- programs do it all almost seemingly a full month prior, and then the AC just kind of sneaks in the end of February, right before spring, spring ball. So uh, that'll be exciting. We'll talk about that. Can't wait for every uh, school's of the American to really care about it too. That's going to be great. I'm just, it, w- yeah. What's going to end up happening is they're is they're going to you know put it out and you're going to see that meme that's like, oh my gosh, it's like a mid off or whatever. It's like, oh my gosh, just right. let us enjoy the damn schedule release, man. Don't need. I'm any excited for cool. some of the away games. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited. It's really neat to have new programs because then it's new cities you get to go visit. So it's like, I mean, I'm looking forward to going to Charlotte. I'm looking forward to go to San Antonio. Uh, I still have Annapolis, so looking forward to that. Um, it's just it, new cities, new programs, new fans. It's like it, getting a reshuffle. And we've openly talked about, I don't care what conference we're in, as long as we get to play new, fun, and exciting games and be good at football. That'd be great. I just want to be good at football. We need. Just, just, just be good. And all, everything good. else will work out. If you're good, everything else will work out. The one thing I will say is don't, you know, look at the schedule and start putting wins and wins and losses in there to then get yourself disappointed in the fall. Cause that's always the most fruitless exercise. Just assume, uh, Owen 12 and you never get your, you never get your hopes up. Mm-hmm. Easy. Set the Easy. bar on the Why floor. Why doesn't everyone do it? 
lower the floor. Uh, we'll move it. into <laughs> we'll move into fellas and bellas. Uh, we have we have a difference this week for the first time in a while, though, Vito. I'll tell you that much. The first time in a while, I think the first time we've ever had a difference in, uh, in choices. Oh yeah, it, it's it really yeah. Normally it's it's pretty it's pretty cut and dry. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing uh, yours. So you can go first. Uh, my fella of the week. I, we're gonna agree on this one. It's pretty straightforward. Uh, Bobby Bozer is good. The the fella of the week. There's no doubt about that. Uh, he was an absolute force. Um, I was I was thinking about uh think of it. Uh, Bobby had a, a better outcome to get that victory um, in a more emphatic way. So I'm going to give it to him. Um, thought about giving it to Mark Malay as well uh, for hitting a step back uh, ankle breaking three to beat Tulsa. But again, if US loses a game in a week, uh, Yosef men's basketball loses a game in a week, I don't acknowledge them. Uh, <laughs> fuck, idiots. <laughs> the, my Rude. expectations are so high for them. Uh, but my Bella of the week, mostly because I discovered this and I should have known this for someone that follows the Olympic sports, uh, the Rose, um, our, uh, our track and our track standout athlete with a uh, first place podium finish in the 800 meter dash, a process of 213.4 also found out she's a goalkeeper for our soccer team. And I had no idea. <laughs> it's exciting because like you imagine like the long distance or the medium distance running that's like oh it's because they you know they're a defender or something they're doing a lot of running oh no go keep (laughs) yeah but impressive that's impressive that's cool as shit i love dual sport athletes and speaking of which because i was trying to find a good way for bulls fan 12 yes you are correct uh jaquan smith will be running track for usf as well uh for those that had uh uh over the weekend set a uh, personal best, a program record, and a meet record in the 100-meter with 10.6, I think. Um, it could be really fucking fast. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. Do it on the football field and on the uh, and in the track. Yeah, 10.66 Ontario Relay uh, Stadium meet record. Uh, and then his uh, team also got a four by 100 meet record as well. So uh, that's, that's fast. Um, you do your fella and Bella and I'm going to look up something real quick. You do that. Uh, so our fella is the same. It is Bobby Bozer. He got the AAC conference honor roll to, for opening weekend. Uh, four for nine, uh, two home runs, three walks, four RBIs, five runs. And that was all versus Maryland. Uh, he's, picking up right where he left off and you're going to need him, his bat. You're going to need him guys like Brutcher and guys like can to hit to uh, get this team where they want to be, but really great opening weekend for Bobby Bozer. I always love watching him. Bozer bombs being a thing. My Bella of the week is Elena Chenecki from USF women's basketball. She just won the conference player of the week with 23 points per game. We saw she got that 27 against SMU uh, five rebounds per game. And had her 12th 20-point game of the season over the course of the week. Uh, 27 versus SMU. That's with 44% field goal percentage, 55.6% three-point field goals, which is just insane. And 75% free throws for the week. So, Alain Shinecki, you are my bell of the week. And let's keep that rolling for the last two games of the season. Oh, hell yes. 
Um, and then uh, the 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 number I was looking up. So that ten point six six in the hundred meter um, by Jaquan Smith. Uh, there was another wide receiver that was at the University of South Florida last year that was really fast. Uh, he ran at ten point eight one um, before he ran that ten point eight one out of Tampa. So you're looking at a whole point second faster. Um, not like point two seconds is going to make a difference to me uh, because that is a lot. Fa- that is very fucking fast, is what it is. It's so unbelievably cool. fast. Sometimes I look cool. at that just and just go like, guys. "My goodness." How, how, how do you run that fast? Fucking, I don't know. It's, it's the same thing that I say about, uh, about basketball. Just recruit guys to shoot threes for basketball and just You'll recruit guys wrong. that can run, run 10.600 meter dashes in football. Like you just got to bet. Mm-hmm. Just recruit fast guys. It's so easy. All right. It's, it's 10, 15 veto. What have we, what have we missed? No, we, we hit it all. This is the time of the, of the year where every sport happens. And next week, this is going to be hard to cover because it's always hard to find information on. But then sailing starts soon with more regattas. So we uh, regatta get out of here. I'll see myself out. Anyway. I was going to leave. I was just going to leave. <laughs> it was excellent to have you back. It was really tough. I was just me for 40 minutes last time. But I... I, I got through it. It was great, but it's good to have you back to be able to talk about everything that we did. And yeah, we'll have a Illuminati podcast tomorrow. So tune in at 9 p.m. to listen more about AEC football schedule release and some other tidbits from Nate and Seth. So we'll see you then. Steve, get us out of here. Bye. Go Bulls. Go Bulls. See ya. <laughs>